the word ekphrasis comes from the Greek for the description of the work of art produced as a rhetorical exercise. It is a vivid, often dramatic, verbal description of a visual art piece. Hi everyone, welcome to the Ekphrastic. This is season 2, episode 10 of the Ekphrastic, and we're going to do things a little bit different this time. You know what? We're going to do it live. We're, go we're going live. Uh, today we will be talking about Bob Ross, known for his fast and easy wet on paint painting techniques. Um, Bob Ross reached millions of art lovers with his popular television program, The Joy of Painting. But before we get to know him a little bit better, let's get into some art news. And uh, from the top, what I uh, <laughs> what I said there was, hey, we're gonna we're gonna do this a little different. And what do I mean by that? Is I'm gonna do this live. So I'm, I'm reading. I'm gonna be reading these articles for the first time right now with you. We're doing it live. Okay, um, and so we're going to kind of go through the process of how we put the show together. So first things first, if we're looking to some art news, we have a couple of the resources here, and I'm not going to disclose those resources. I actually, I am <laughs> once I uh, figure out which one we want to read. So let's see a couple of headlines from uh, I'm reading right now. This is at artnews.com, and what's in the news? Uh, Birds of Paradise, Tony Fitzpatrick at Cleve Carney Museum of Art. Nah, there's no news right there. Oh, you know what? Another thing I do too, I can go to Google. And what's in the world of art today? Looking through uh, Google, what, what, what's some things that made headlines? Uh, Jeff Koons faces infringement lawsuit over usage of artist sculpture in Made in Heaven series. Um, oh, you know what? This okay. Trends around Miami, NFTs in hiding, COVID protocols thrown to the wind and more. Okay, so what this just—I'm not gonna read about NFTs right now. But what that what this does remind me of is Art Basel is going on right now in Miami. Art Basel in Miami. We're doing it live. Okay, so <laughs> okay, and it's already paid off. Okay, we're galleries of color okay so let me I'm put this one to the side and we're gonna read that one in a second i'm not even gonna read the title just yet because that <laughs> that is wild all right, all right so what else is going on at art basel let's see uh let's look for some news um maybe we can get a can we get a synopsis of uh what art basel let's see i know what it is because i've been you know i i grew up in miami so this was a thing that started really taking off, uh, you know, when I got a little bit older, getting ready to uh, ship out of Miami, actually. Um, but uh, let me see if we just if we just look at Art Basel in general, just go to the website and see what they're saying there. And we can get a synopsis for everybody else in America. So Art Basel descriptions, viewing room galleries, VIP partners, like an about us. Can we get an about? Art Basel history. Okay, boom. Here we go. Here's the history of Art Basel in Miami. Okay, so um, Basel gallerist Ernest Baylor, Todd Bruckner, and Balls Hilt, and I got them all three 
completely wrong. <laughs> you can check out these names later. Create an international art fair that proves to be a success from the start. More than 16,000 visitors attend the inaugural show to see 90 galleries and 30 publishers from 10 countries. Uh, that was that was in the that was, so that was in the 70s, and they have a couple highlights from the uh, from the different uh, decades that they were uh, featured there. So in 2010, is kind of, you know, th that era is probably when, when I um was it 2010? It might have been 2000s, late mid 2000s. So let's read about 2000. So introduction of the Art Unlimited platform, which transcends the concept of the classic exhibition booth with an open plan environment that hosts all types of ambitious contemporary uh, media. Art Basel de debuts in Miami Beach. The first edition features 160 galleries from 23 countries and attracts 30,000 visitors. Whoa, so that first one was so 16,000? And this is in, by 2000, we have 30,000 people coming to visit this thing. So Art Basel launches Art Basel Conversations, panel discussions with leading members of the art world provide access to first-hand information on diverse aspects of collecting and exhibiting art. Panelists include prominent art collectors, museum directors, uh, biennial curators, artists, art critics, and architects. Uh, and architects. Okay, so 2010, they had 60,000 visitors in 2010. And it, it it just it was just growing more and more. So this is this kind of so what's the what's the what's the one thing that that, that stood out real quick when I googled Arbazo a minute ago? Here's the headline, and uh, I'm sure this is written up by a bunch of different places. Right now I'm reading from Page6.com. Artist sells her eggs as an NFT at Art Basel. <laughs> Man, some people be playing around with this art stuff, and you know what? You might think it's a game, but somebody's out there buying. Somebody's out there buying. I know I said I wouldn't talk about NFTs, but this is just is dope. So the shock NFT could take on a life of its own. Art Basel Miami Beach has been awash with intense discussion and unveiling. You remember, like there was uh, a few years back, there was a guy that there was a there was a visual artist that had a banana on a blank canvas. Like he pinned the banana on the canvas or something. <laughs> but then meet, but then this intersects with a, um, a, what they call this guy? a performance artist. So this performance artist is that art. I think it was Art Basel. I could be wrong. Art, art Basel. Art Basel. I don't know if people pronounce it differently. He, takes the banana off the canvas and eats it he's a performance artist <laughs> so of course and of course this is controversial because this is his other artist's work so now you know that's going to make a bunch of headlines and also you could probably get sued you know hey my vision was to pin this banana to this canvas and you just ate it so so you know that caused all kinds of controversy in the art world that was funny uh, but you know nfts being a thing um as of late, you know, this artist here, she's an art. She's uh, she's Armenian. Her name is Noreen Arakilian, uh, 42. She says her first NFT will be a painting entitled "Live," which will include an embedded contract promising one of her eggs to the buyer. 
NFTs or non-fungible tokens are a type of digital art form created and verified as a unique. And you know what? Take a second to say this though. She, her, uh, one of her eggs is going to be part of. Is going to be. You know, you're going to own one of her eggs. I mean, she's she's is volunteering it. You know, whether she free she freezes it and and you can actually own the physical thing, or you you know she she, she gives you an IOU, I guess. But there are only there is a finite amount of eggs that she can produce. And, and she's 42. So that's that's interesting that there's a lot of value created the when there's scarcity. So, you know, there, this, this could be a one-on-one. It could be, you know, it could be a few in circulation in terms of her eggs on the, um, you know, NFTs that she could make out of that. So, interesting. I, you know, I'm getting more intrigued. I thought it was kind of ridiculous when I first started. I'm getting a little bit more intrigued as I read along here. Let's see. So, NFTs or non-fungible tokens are a type of digital art form created and verified as a unique artwork with blockchain authentication and, and bought and sold using cryptocurrency. Um, uh, Arakalian says she fully expects the person who, oh no, I'm going to pop up right now. See, this is what happens when you do it live. <laughs> she fully expects the person who buys the NFT to conceive a child from her egg, adding that she hopes it will be bought by a couple. I am so happy to bring a child into the world through my artwork, says Arakalian, who is mom to a 21 year old son. It's a beautiful. <laughs> what? <gasps> okay. See, you know what? You got you got me. I didn't. I ain't know it was all that. Like you legit. So the person who is born, that you know, she gives up the eggs and they, and they use it as a you know the um, was the artificial IVF, right? And that person who was born from that egg themselves will be a living breathing work of art no that mean that's the premise of their own creation i mean and they can, <laughs> make a dick and sell themselves as an nft uh you know come full circle who knows but that it's kind of wild to think about man you, you know what you know I, you know what Good on you. Good on you. Because this is a real philosophical kind of just like roller coaster ride, um, and that that you've exposed by by taking this angle. And it would, it would take an artist to come up with a concept like that. So that was that's 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 really creative. Uh, my artwork, my artworks. Oh, let me finish reading what she's saying. Because I mean, if you read this stuff out of context, this might sound a little bit out of this world. <laughs> but you know we're in a safe space for that um my artwork are my children and the fact this one will actually produce a child is wonderful she continued the art will always mean so much to the buyer because it brought them their child it will always carry that special memory Archillian also clarified that the child will be a child once they are born not a piece of art dang it <laughs> Exactly where I went. What am I? Am I corrupt? Is my am I am I corrupted? Is my brain so 
trapped in capitalism or, or at least in this makeup world of art and the art market that <laughs> I immediately went there. You're like, no, darling, we know what you're thinking. No, the child itself will not be a piece of art. Arkillian has been exhibiting a triptych, triptych. Ah, I had this word before in a separate episode back. I never learned how to pronounce it. Maybe I'm pronouncing it perfectly. Let's say that. From now on, we'll be pronouncing it triptych, uh, titled Love, Hope, Live at Art Miami, one of the satellite fairs around the prestigious Art Basel uh, Miami Beach. She will create the NFT from the live portion of the painting. And there's a picture of her standing in front of the... Uh, it's kind of like a scrabble board that says, uh, I think it says she's blocking a little bit of the hope, love, live. I mean, personally, I think I could have done something like that. Well, yeah. well, yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay, a little bit about her. She's from, uh, she's Siberian. Um, she splits her time between LA and Moscow. Moving on, her art combines visual and performing art using new digital technology and focuses on social, cultural, and political issues. Uh, her previous work includes transforming the iconic 15th century spiral staircase of the uh, Palazzo Contorini del Bovolo in Venice into a striking multicolored lighthouse. So that was cool for her to do that. Uh, all right, so Art Basel is popping off Miami. I wish I could go. You know, I'm actually planning on visiting soon, but it's going to be over by the time I get down there. So we spent... <laughs> okay, so that was our art news. Art Basel is popping, and we got this young lady who's um who's changing the game um maybe i'll be here for our for our art news today and we can get back to our ekphrastic artist of the day bob ross so who was bob ross well i'd like to know that as well uh, and i would already know if i had done <laughs> if i did you know this was a normal episode uh, and I've done all the research, and I'd be coming on here talking as if, like, I knew all this stuff all along, but you were none the wiser. But we're going to learn this one together. We're going to take this journey. Um, so Bob Ross discovered oil painting while he was enlisted in the U.S. Air Force, actually. This was in, 19, uh, in the 1960s. He studied the wet-on-paint technique, which allowed him to produce complete paintings in less than an hour. He then became an instructor himself, and eventually teaching a TV audience of millions on the TV show, The Joy of Painting. So, okay, cool. So that's a little bit synopsis about Bob Ross. Let's, where, where did he, can, can we find out a little bit about where he grew up? So this is kind of like, again, my process of how I put these thing, things together. So early, a little bit early life on Bob Ross. Maybe I could type in something. Let's see, uh, Bob childhood and we all know this dude you know the happy little trees Bob Ross with the afro uh, Ross was born Robert Norman Ross in Daytona Florida on October 20 or October 29th 1942 he was raised in Orlando Florida after dropping out of school in the ninth grade Ross served in the US Air Force during his service he took his first painting lesson uh, at an Anchorage, Alaska. Oh, that's why he talks about Alaska so much. Um, or at, you know, he was based in an at Anchorage, Alaska United Service Organizations Club. Uh, from that point on, he was hooked, a term he would use frequently during his years as a painting instructor. 
Do we have anything else about his um, early early work? So so okay. So we have here. Yes. Okay, we already know he's born in Florida. His mom and dad was Jack and um, Ollie, Ollie Ross, a carpenter and a waitress, and raised in Orlando. Um, as an adolescent, Ross cared for injured animals, including armadillos, snakes, alligators, and squirrels, one of which was later featured in several episodes of his television show. <laughs> Whoa, really? On the television show? I never remember seeing an animal... On the show? Um, well, I wonder which one of those... It was. Why would you say... <laughs> why would you say that and not tell me which one it was? It wasn't... It, it, no, I, of course, that's, like, going to be my follow-up. You mean to tell me, like, there's a chance that this dude was painting these happy little trees with, a, <laughs> with an alligator <laughs> right there, and you ain't going to mention that? And squirrel. Dang, what was it? Other uh, animals that appeared on Ross's paintings... Hold on, did say a painter as painter? You brought him on the show. Ross cared in nature and animals and squirrels, one of which was later featured in several episodes of his television show. Oh, maybe that's what they mean. Like he actually painted. Um, oh, no, no, here we go. I, I see here. Um, I can't play it for you, but I'm looking at Pop Bob Ross introduces his pet squirrels. So, that, so that's the one it was. Thanks a lot, Internet. But well, thanks, thanks, Internet. Actually, you know, the first first one was a a frustrated one that they didn't tell me from the jump which one of these animals was on was on the show. But then the Internet came through and uh, we found a video real quick. Uh, he had a half brother, Jim, whom he mentioned in passing on the show. Ross dropped out of high school. We read that for ninth grade. Uh, while working as a carpenter with his father, he lost part of his left index finger. Really? Uh, which did not affect his ability to, um, to later hold a palette while painting. He did paint right-handed, so he could forego that little portion of his finger. Who needs it? Overrated, right? <laughs> Overrated for Bob Ross. Did he have any... Um, did he get any formal training? I mean, I know he. they said he went to the... He went to that class or whatnot, but did Bob Bob Ross training? Did he have any formal training? How do you spell training? Okay, there you go. I N G. There you go. <laughs> um, okay. Bob Ross went on pen technique teacher training seminars. No. Oh, uh, we would have to find out his own history. Is anywhere does any of these things tell me? How did this dude become so nice with it, with these brushes and whatnot? Like, he just knows exactly which... Was it just this class? Career as a painter. Okay, so uh, during his 20-year Air Force career, he developed an interest in painting after attending an art class. Okay, but... Where did he... We found that out already. And art class, did he continue? Is it the art class that did it for him? And they kept on, um, he kept on going back to that same class? In the 1960s, William Alexander combined landscape painting with an educational program that he made available to the public through workshop, publications, and television. He was a former mural and decorative painter of coaches in eastern Persia. And he taught an oil painting technique across the United States that he described as wet on paint. I mean, wet on wet. 
Uh, this technique, also known as a la prima, Bob Ross, the happy painter 2011, so that's what he ended up calling, I guess, has been used by oil painters since at least the 16th century, as it allowed them to create uh, imagined landscapes eliminated by um, evocative lighting. Uh, Alexander pr proposed um, Alexander's purpose was about capturing dreams and putting them on canvas. Yo, you tell me about Alexander. What's up with Bob Ross? This whole time I'm looking for Bob Ross here. So Bob Ross retired from the Air Force temporarily uh, and left Jane and Steve in Alaska. Who is Jane and Steve? Okay, we're, we're doing a live, so we're just going to find out like everybody else would. Okay, so under Alexander's guidance, he taught classes all over the country while in the Air Force. Bob said that he held positions requiring him to be mean and tough. After leaving the military and reflecting on his um, uncomfortable way of being, he said that uh, it was going uh, that it wasn't going to be that way anymore. At some point, he acquired the nickname "Bust 'Em Up Bobby," a characteristic that was definitely not what this art student. Um, experienced. And what else we got for you, Bob, here? How did you get hooked on the art? In 1982, Bob Ross approached Alexander about doing a television commercial together to promote Ross's painting classes. This commercial uh, was taken to public television station WNBC in New York as recounted in Bob Ross, The Happy Painter, this, commer this commercial led to the television station working with Bob, working with Ross to do the series "The Joy of Painting" with Bob Ross. Okay, so we're just fully going to get into the TV show that ends up um, being uh, the introduction for the rest of us on how this show came about. So after a single series, the partnership with WNBC dissolved. Shortly thereafter, another series of episodes was taped as "The Joy of Painting" uh, at WIPB in Indiana. Uh, the taping schedule was grueling, with 13 episodes. Okay, a bunch of stuff on the production of the show. Who wrote this stuff? Okay. Uh, and then Bob Ross eventually went back to Central Florida. And you know what? All these all these episodes, all these shows, uh, where where is this dude's paintings? How many did he paint? What can we find out about this? Uh, as a TV paint instructor Ross became known for his light humor and gentle demeanor as well as his ability to complete a painting in 30 minutes the joy of painting would eventually be carried by more than 275 stations uh, spawning an empire that would include videos how-to books art supplies and certified Bob Ross instructors yo how many of these things did he do okay so Okay, all right, this is a good enough source. Uh, what we have? This is from the New York Times. And could you believe it? I don't have to pay to read this one. So, okay, this, this is entitled here, Where Are All the Bob Ross Paintings? That's what I was asking. Well, they said they found them. So they said they found them. And this is, um, when was this written? Okay, oh, tw from 2019. How prescient. Okay, so Bob Ross painted more than a thousand landscapes for his television show. So why are they so hard to find? We solve one of the internet's favorite little mysteries. All right, so they start off already with the Smithsonian. Oh, I think I'm supposed to watch this video. It's a 10-minute video about where his stuff is at. So let's find out about the Smithsonian. So Bob Ross made three versions of each painting 
that appeared on the Joya painting. The first was made before the show to be used as a reference. He painted the second during the 26-minute taping, sometimes with last-minute improvisations. The third was made afterward for instructional books. The donation to the Smithsonian includes the book version of Blue Ridge Fall. He made three versions of each of these paintings. I did not realize. But, I mean, if you're doing it in, like, 30 minutes, it's, like, not that hard, right? I mean, and then you like the third one, you've had two, two times to practice already. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I see you. I see, Bob. Uh, I mean, think he's coming off with the store top of his head. You know what I remember watching that show. Uh, the donations to the Smithsonian include the book version of Blue Ridge Falls from season 30, as well as all three versions of paintings of On a Clear Day. Other items include a converted stepladder that was used as an easel used during the first season of the show and two handwritten notebooks that were used to plan this, the uh, production of the second season. Uh, so this is all about the Smithsonian exhibit. Man, why aren't you going to tell me about where his stuff is at? Where, you know, can somebody... Th thanks, New York Times. You failed me. I got a show going on here. You all talking about some... Smithsonian. It's basically an article about the Smithsonian. Really what it is. So for today's ekphrastic poem, we're going to be featuring uh, from season 8, episode 13 of The Joy of Painting, Northern Lights. Uh, as a reminder, here's how this works. So you're going to go to my website, darwindalker.com and look up uh, the you know Bob Ross's image of the Northern Lights. This is a this is a description of a visual art piece, folks. So I need you to um, you know take a look at the the painting while I'm while I'm reading. Um, I'll give you a second to search for it in your browser. Where have all the stars gone? They're on our stars out tonight. They've all packed their comets and cleaned out. A bleak, blank, black space remains. The abyss sits alone, beckoning for the return of its celestial companions. Many moons have come and gone, but the stars, the stars have moved on. To a twilight dimension unbeknownst to this world, they dance, prance, and enhance an entirely different sky now. An aurora borealis, the sort like never before displayed, it leaves all spectators dismayed. It's no competition, so the moon, the moon moves on along with the time, space, continuum, and still the abyss sits alone. Still summoning on. Where? Where? Have all my stars gone? Where did I go wrong? This is from The Hustle. The famed TV artist was one of history's most prolific painters, but you're not likely to find his work on the open market. You know, actually, what brought on... Bob Ross for me for this episode I've been seeing him everywhere for the past couple years and not in the sense that I may need to go see somebody about my mental health kind of issue you know not that it's like literally like 
he has been on all kinds of I, I was at the grocery store and they had a gum I'm checking out and they have like a like a, like a, a gum package that had Bob Ross on the cover just just Bob Ross branded gum it's so random uh, there was another time I saw him in I saw him on the on a, on a magazine cover this was like within the past year and a half uh, randomly Bob Ross on the magazine cover, and, I'm, and I saw him on his gun then I went to some other place what was I I can't remember exactly but he was on um what was it it was something else he was featured on like why is Bob Ross like maybe a postcard or something like that I'm like what the past year and a half like I mean I you know he's been around for you know in terms of in our in our psyche for a while but you know you don't often run into Bob Ross references and then in the past year and a half I've been, I've seen him multiple times in different places in, in in different areas there must be there must be something bubbling up you know um maybe somebody's gonna do a, a biography you know they did one for Mr. Rogers in Mr. Rogers neighborhood um um a couple years ago uh, with Tom Hanks maybe maybe somebody's maybe they got Bob Ross on their brain out there and we're, we're gonna have another cultural moment for for Bob Ross another resurgence here all right so this article is actually from 2021 um, and I'll start again though he died in 95 the late TV painter remains an omnipresent cultural staple his chia pet perm nap inducing voice and meme worthy sayings happy little trees have transcended time uh, you can find him on YouTube also right now. Uh, old episodes of his show, Joy of Painting, uh, have uh, over 450 million views. Online, you can acquire Bob Ross pants, brushes, Bob Ross underwear, coffee mugs, watches, a toaster. Like I said, I saw him in a pack of gum the other day, right? But there's one thing you won't often see for sale, his artwork. During his lifetime, Ross produced tens of thousands of paintings. Yet only a handful of his works have popped up for sale in recent years. When they do appear, they often fetch 10,000 or more and, and attract dozens of bids. Why is the work of one of history's most prolific and accessible artists so scarce on the open market? To find out, I spoke with art gallery owners, auctioneers, art collectors, ex-colleagues who work with Ross, and the president of, of Bob Ross Incorporated, the company that preserves his legacy. Please do tell Jeez, the man behind the canvas. Okay, so we a little bit about his background. We, we learned that already. You're welcome, folks. Um, inspired by Bill Alexander. You heard that name earlier on. Um, so after he trained Bob Alexander, became a certified painting instructor himself. Here's where things took a wild turn for Ross. One of his students, um, Annette Kowalski, was mesmerized by the jolly painter and encouraged him to strike out on his own. They pulled together their life savings, launched Bob Ross Incorporated, and set out to make Ross into a TV star. A PBS executive gave them the shot. Uh, then the show, through a painting which aired between 1983 and 94, a 10-year run, an 11-year run, was a huge hit and, ha uh, and was broadcast on 300 stations to 80 million people every day. In each 27-minute episode, Ross painted landscape from uh, start to finish, shepherding viewers through his process with a soothing disposition, entertaining commentary, and an occasional guest appearance by his pet squirrel, Peapod. And I could have I could have found that if I would have jumped to this this article right here from the jump. <laughs> okay, so Ross didn't get paid for his shows, but 
Bob Ross Incorporated, which he partially owned, used the platform to sell paints, art supplies, workshops, instructional videos, and merchandise. In 91, it was a $15 million a year enterprise. The actual paintings, though, were largely an afterthought. Over the course of his career, Ross filmed 381 episodes of the show The Joy of Painting. For each episode, he painted three versions of the same artwork. One before, one during, and one after taping. But his TV career only scratched the surface, only scratched the surface of his total output. Pre-fame in Alaska, he sold thousands of paintings. And even while famous, he painted nearly every day at seminars, events, and charity auctions in between tapings. All told, Bob Ross churned out 30,000 paintings in his lifetime, nearly three times that of the output of Picasso, a prolific painter of his own. So for years, uh, collectors and fans have clamored to own their own piece of Bob Ross's lore. Multiple art dealers told the hustle that demand for his work is extraordinarily robust, but Ross paintings are a bit like diamonds, vast in volume, scarce on the open market. Um, okay, so major auction houses, Christie's, Sotheby's, Phillips, have no Bob Ross sales history. Craigslist draws a goose egg. A scan on eBay only turned up three sales in the last six months, two of which are a dubious origin. So, where the heck is all this stuff? Okay, this is a massive article. And at the very end, they say, Ultimately, the real reason there aren't more Bob Ross paintings up for sale is that the artist never wanted them to be a commodity. For Ross, the value was in the process, not the finished product. He was about as uninterested in the actual paintings as you could possibly be, says Kowalski. For him, it was a journey. He wanted to teach people. The paintings were just a means to do that. Righteous. Okay, so there, yeah. So, Bob, that's what happened. The company holds the copyrights, you know, and the trademark's uh, name for not only his paintings, but also the likeness of Bob Ross, which is the Bob Ross, Bob Ross Incorporated. So, that's what they're, they're just all held up. On occasion, Bob Ross Incorporated leases out a few paintings to galleries and, and exhibits around the country. 54, 54 paintings have been seen at the Bob Ross Art Workshop and Gallery in New Smyrna, Florida, 27, um, are in Indiana, four paintings, um, Smithsonian owns, owns four of them in, in DC. So that's where you can find a lot of Bob Ross's stuff. So um, how did he die? Let's find out. Do we have anything about his death here? Must die. First thing on the Google result there. Okay, so we're getting this piece from the artsofentertainment.com. Uh, and so it says that Bob Ross died at the age of 52 on July 4th, 1995, due to complications um, from lymphoma which he had battled for several years. His remains are in, uh, interred at Woodlawn uh, Memorial Park in Gotham, Florida, under a plaque marked Bob Ross, television artist. Ross kept his diagnosis a secret from the general public. His lymphoma was not known outside of his circle of family and friends until after his death. So that's where, you know, okay, so that's what happened to, to, to Bob Ross there. That is fascinating, uh, getting to know Bob Ross so well. Um, 
Yeah, man. And we painted we painted a happy little picture today with our words. I'm glad you took the time to join me on this journey. A rather roundabout way to go about it this time. But for this and other artwork we discussed, you can always visit my website, darwindarko.com backslash ekfrastic. It's where you can find all of this stuff cataloged for your viewing pleasure. If you like the show or if you want to leave some creative feedback, please rate us. Um, five stars, hopefully. And leave a comment. Uh, that's always helpful. Another great way to support the show is to share it on your socials, Facebook, Twitter, WhatsApp, all that good stuff. I'm Dara Mesadu. Happy painting, and thanks again for listening to The Acrastic. <laughs>